0: Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week, we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. All right, we teased everybody last week that we've gotten feedback. Let us uh, begin by encouraging you to give us feedback. Go to the website growgreat.com. Use the contact form there's emails on there and you can email Lisa or me. It's our name at growgreat.com. But if you want to use the contact form, do that too. And we're pleased that we're getting feedback, Lisa. And, and we had a we request, are, yeah. we had a request for us to have a conversation about building and fostering relationships. And this is super congruent with last week's episode about trust or two weeks ago about trust. Uh, But it still is all leadership. It's a focus on others and doing for others what they can't do or might find difficult to do for themselves. So it's also a good illustration before I hit record. It's a good illustration of how two people or more can look at us at the same topic and we can kind of come at it from different perspectives. It just proves the value I think of collaboration and cooperation and, and working with other people. Agreed. So take off.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I think what's so important on building and fostering relations, especially in leadership is so much to do with knowing first your people, you know, your team, uh, because the more we know about them personally, those lead to other things about being able um, to interact with them, see how they're doing to know when there's something off. uh, So, you know, if there's they're not acting the same as maybe they usually do. Um, maybe they're going through something tough in their lives. And the more you know them and build that personal relationship, the more they're going to share. And you can also find out what motivates them, what makes them tick is what I always say. Uh, and that's so important. But, but also besides our team in leadership, it's knowing others. Uh, I've done work to try to get with our directors. We have some, I've scheduled some lunches with our direct fellow directors. Um, and there's two or three of us that will go out and then we'll pick another person to go out that, you know, next month. And we don't do it like every, it's not a scheduled, but we just kind of try to get two or three we don't normally interact with. And, and our city attorney was like, Hey, I want to get in on these lunches. <laughs> so she goes, I need to meet the other directors too. And so, um, cause we just, we always do professional work at the city,
0: mm. but we,
1: you really don't get to personally interact with them on just, let's go to lunch and Hey, what's up with your family? You know, what are your goals? What are you looking for? what do you do? How'd you grow up? I mean, we just ask all kinds of questions just to get to know each other a little bit more. And that's so important when you work, um, in our role as leaders, because the more you learn about somebody personally and connect with them, it is so much easier and better long-term in serving one another because, again, you know about them and you know really uh, what their needs are. And you really want, in my case, I want to serve them better. I know them and I know what their goals are personally, but I also know what they're trying to achieve professionally. And it makes me drive harder to want to help them get there. Um, And then lastly, that comes into play with our vendors, the vendors, um, and I've got, some stories we can share a little bit later as we dive into this, but it's so important with our, with our vendors to serve them well and learn about them and, and have them learn about you, what our culture stands for, what we expect, because then if they're great vendors, which many of ours are, are at the city of Grand Prairie, then they want to fit their programming, et cetera, into our culture and try to live that as well, because they are an extension of us. And so I think it's important that we know and share those things.
0: Yeah, you know, when we first got this request and you and I started kind of noodling this around, my head immediately went to the role of the leaders. Not that it doesn't go to the same places that that your head goes, but in thinking about so many times as leaders, we kind of get in a management role and management role is task oriented. Nothing wrong with that. It's necessary. We've got to get these things done, but that's the management part of our jobs. And I think too many times that can trickle into, if not completely overwhelm the whole leadership part of it. And we just get fixated on the work and the work that these people are supposed to be doing. And it's not like we really are viewing these people as people. I mean, they're people and they've got people that love them at home, they got pets at home, they got dreams and aspirations and goals, and they've got some vision, some story in their head of where they want to go. And if as a leader, we don't know that we're not only doing them a disservice, we're doing the whole organization a disservice because you think of the human potential. And this was where my head went with these relationships, the human potential that is wasted on any given day, in the average organization, I I don't know, I'm not smart enough to figure out how you could even measure, you know, such things. People who come to work and are are good people, wanna do good work and just for whatever reason, they really are not in an environment. They have not been planted in a garden that is being tilled and run by a good leader. And so, you know, it, it never gets off the ground. To your right. point, yeah, I think first and foremost, we, we've got to know each other as humans. I spend a whole lot of time, as you well know, on the stories that we tell the stories that we're writing, which is just a metaphor for our life. It's how we're living our life. It's how we see ourselves in the world and where we fit, how we fit. And admittedly, the bigger your team is. I get that it could be a little bit more challenging, but you and I've had conversations about the value of a one-on-one between a leader and people. So I don't know. Dive a little bit more deeply into our just our getting to know one another, whatever the context that you want, wherever you want to go with it.
1: Well, for me, um, a lot of it just starts. I try to – the basics for me are just kind of walking around for my – let's start with our team. Let's start with the smallest unit first. I start with my team and I try to walk around. We're super busy, but I try to get around at least two or three times a week and just kind of walk through and say, how's it going? One of our ladies is working on renovating her bathroom and she got a new standalone tub, you know, the new tubs mm-hmm. that just secured to the ground. Yeah. And so I just check in with her. How's the renovation going? Have we gotten closer? And she's nope. Still there, haven't got you know, yeah. haven't gotten to it. Uh, another one I know is traveling with their son on his select soccer, and ask about the tournaments they had and things like that. And we just kind of go around, and almost inevitably, somebody's either quiet, I can tell there's emotion or whatever, and I'll just say you know, you doing okay. And they're like, Oh, not really. You know, it's just, and they'll go on and you learn a little bit about them in that moment. Um, or I said, do you want to step into the office, you know, where it's a little quieter, um, things like that, or come back and see me. Um, so that, you know, it kind of starts with just that getting to know them. But as I mentioned earlier, it's so important because through those things like you and I talk about, you learn somebody's goals. You start, you start seeing a path, for them. You start learning about their interests. You start learning about where they want to go. And that leads to the more business business discussions when you do your one-on-ones of, okay, you've talked about this in the past. Where are you at on that? Uh, and it just helps you personally and professionally connect with them so that they know you truly are serving them and their best interest. You're keeping that in mind. And as a, as a leader, it also helps me to keep that at the forefront. So as I see opportunities come up, I'm connecting them with those. The hardest part is you're going to have turnover when you do that. We don't have other openings and that's a risk I often see some leaders don't want to take. They'd rather just not discuss anything right? because if they present it and there's an opportunity, they're going to lose somebody after retrain. Um, But as leaders, I think we owe that service to our employees that are good. We try to keep them here through culture and Mm-hmm. positivity and a teamwork and a little bit of celebrations and things like that. Um, but it starts first at the team level. And, um, that's kind of where I go initially. Um, and then it, it rolls up when, when I, uh, my, my leadership team above me. So Cheryl, Steve, they know my future goal is to be an ACM, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, because Don and I were trying to get land I told him I didn't know where we were going to land when that happens. And then how do we, whether I would serve them here or be able to serve another city well, I mm-hmm. wanted to be, have exposure so that I knew questions to ask. Cause I didn't know what that role would look like. And it would likely be in a much smaller city could be a city administrator kind of role. Yeah. And so they asked me questions, both Steve and Cheryl independently at different times, they're like, that is, that is so good to know. We'll try to get, you know, I said what I can't get exposure to in HR are the business meetings you have like with developers. Cause I don't know that they're happening. Right. And some of those are private and not, but the point being, I trust them enough to tell them my goals, which doesn't obligate them to fulfill them. I don't expect it. I'm not entitled to that. I don't expect the next opening for me to get that, but I want them to share in my vision and my goal so that if they see opportunities, they can give those to me. And they have. They put me on different citywide projects. Right. Uh, Steve has brought me in and explained, here's why we're doing this, and here's what what this is. Do you have any questions? I've connected with our economic development director. And, again, not to sell anything, just truly out of interest uh, and understanding so that if the opportunity presents itself here or elsewhere, I've set myself up well through their leadership and giving me insight and knowledge and exposure to things that I can better serve somebody else, right? Um, Whether it's here or or elsewhere. And I I love the fact that we have that trust here um, and that relationship. It's all about these relationships that have been fostered because I know they have my best interest at heart. They want for me what I want for myself. Um, But I'm also, I told them I'm content being in hr if that's where i'm meant to be and stay for the rest of my career I'm, t- I'm they treat me well i'm totally happy um but they just we're all trying to achieve the same goals and i know steve and cheryl are big big proponents of getting staff where they want to be but trying to keep us all here makes sure. sense
0: yeah how, well the, how title about you the, and you, the title of the show is grow great so that's yeah. the whole that's the whole point well but speak to your to your experience okay so HR director aspiring to be, uh, you know, an assistant city manager, deputy city manager, whatever the titles may be, they vary from city to city. And how that benefits the organization right now, how that benefits, from your perspective at least, how that even benefits CMO at Grand Prairie. Because it does, and we both know it does.
1: Absolutely, I think I think it benefits. First, it keeps um, dialogue and communication open. Secondly, um, it helps them establish for me like projects, um, things that they need to get done. It it allows me exposure and allows them to provide feedback. It allows me growth, which keeps me interested. Um, it allows me and my team to. You know, our goal is always to be a high-performing team, and that's a ne- that's not a destination; it's a journey. Always, it's you know, you're always in that loop of trying to become better. So, for me,
0: well, it's it expanded. really helps. Your, it's expanded your understanding of things that you may not have understood before because you just weren't exposed to them.
1: Exactly, and not only that, it 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 has um, it's expanded um my ability to help even more because now I'm listening for things that I understand better and the impact to that department that I didn't know before. So my, I've gotten a more global perspective rather than an HR focused perspective.
0: Yeah. Less siloed.
1: That's correct. And so I'm asking better questions. I'm asking, I'm understanding bigger things that impact not only me and the department I'm serving, but then I've got CMO's perspective, the city manager's office. I'm like, Okay, I know. For instance, if I say, "Well, the budget's," I know the budget's tight, and so we're we're tightening our belts. But keeping that in mind, let's do you know what about what if we did this, which still gets you where you want to go, but we're thoughtful of the long term impact and sustainability of the budget, you know, et cetera. Right. And you can share, and it opens them up to to conversations they may not be aware of. Right. So that we're all thinking on the best interest of the city on our staff, on our departments, and where it's a little bit more, almost a more unified but global approach rather than an HR department servicing the public works director or servicing, you know, the finance department. It's, we've got the city as, as the overarching mm-hmm. global approach, I guess is right. the best way to explain it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's mutually beneficial. In my, in my head, anytime that we're talking about building, fostering relationships, it's got to be mutually beneficial. It can't be all about you. It can't be just, okay, well, what am I going to get out of this thing? It's got to be, what can I deliver? What can I give the other person out of this thing? Is it completely altruistic? No, you're looking to get something in return, but you also realize that there's something that you, you can deliver to the other person. It's true in our romantic, our marriages, it's true in those relationships. It's true with our kids. It's true at work. It's true to your point, whether you're talking about vendors, whether you're talking about bosses or superiors, or whether you're talking about peers or, or anybody up and down the food chain, as we say.
1: Yeah, you know, Randy, it's so interesting because I've learned over time and I've tried to share with staff that are developing up in leadership and those that aren't even in leadership yet, but interested, I try to involve them in different meetings and give perspective. And it's it's so interesting because our benefits team, I've always focused, and I think I told you the story a little bit last week, but I've focused on, I always tell them, you cannot discount the value of having a solid vendor relationship. So it is because because many, you know, those that are taskmasters and we all know them and we all have them and we love them. They get stuff knocked out. But often the taskmasters are the ones that are like, I don't need to go eat lunch. I'm just going to eat right here. My little crackers and I'm good. And I'm like, "Okay, we need to go have a vendor lunch. They're like, all right, can I leave it like 45 minutes? You know, (laughs) you know, because it's 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 time and effort away from the task. Yeah. And they need to get stuff knocked out. Yeah, and I, I don't know how do many this. times over, over coaching in my years of leading that I'm like, I cannot express enough the value of these relationships. And it's important when we go to lunch, be engaged, focus on the conversation. Um, and I had a, a gentleman that worked for me that was very, very shy, really a great worker. But I mean, he so shy to the trouble, he had trouble making eye contact with people. He would always look down and I'd I'd say, you know, really work on eye to eye contact when people are talking because I know you're shy, but it appears disinterested. So he did over time. He would work on that, but I'd have him go to lunch and he's like, I don't want to go to, I said, well, you hadn't been at the last one. So let's just go and just act engaged, you know? Um, And so, and it's not that he didn't like the vendor. He just said, I have too much to get done. Yeah, and I said there is a value in this, so we all went on everything
0: he could be doing while he's wasting this time.
1: That's exactly right, and so, uh, so they have the good intent of the department and the city, right? But they they just didn't understand the value of this. Mm -hmm. Well, this played out, so that was one example. But recently, on my team, we had a real crisis that happened um, relating to a vendor we're implementing, and then TMRS, which is our retirement system. And we've had them, as long as I've been here, most cities do, right? That are in TMRS in Texas. Well, we were implementing with this vendor and it was for retiree billing. And that retiree billing was supposed to be sent when they paid to TMRS or TMRS sends the check to them and then to us, right? To pay their premiums for the retirees. Well, the date got misunderstood, Um, nobody's fault. It was just the way it was communicated. It was misunderstood on when that check was going to come across. Well, when it was actually going to come across was after we had cut off the old vendor, but it was going to go to the old vendor. And the old vendor said, all we're going to do is reject your 187 checks (laughs) and send them back Mm -hmm. regular mail, which we know is delayed. Anyway, all this to be said, it was a big mess. And my team, who had worked so hard on this implementation were freaking out. They're like, the, the retirees are gonna think their coverage is getting canceled. We had done everything we can in our power to try to get this to work. Uh, we thought we had it down and this date was misunderstood, right? In fact, the, the team had missed, not, not our team, the team and the implementer had miscommunicated the date, misunderstood the logic of the date. Um, so anyway, we called TMRS and I said, guys, I want you in this call. Everybody come in this call with TMRS, and they're like, "We've already talked to them. They said they can't do it." I said, "Come hither, mm. come sit and listen." Yeah,
0: watch the master. At work.
1: Watch the master. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: right. And
1: so I, you know, I immediately opened up with TMRS, and I said, "Guys, I am so glad you are on the phone with us. I couldn't have a better team that I've worked with over the years to solve a problem than we have today on this call." And they're like, "Oh God." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what's she going to (laughs) ask? But I I started laughing. I said, we really need your help. I don't know how to solve for this. And I know this is going to be a burden on your team. Um, And you've got, I'm sure, hundreds of thousands of checks going out the door. But we need a favor and we don't know how to solve for it except for your expertise. They went on to ask what we needed. And ultimately, they said, we told your team we couldn't do it. But you have been a great partner to us over time. And here's what we can do. We can watch. We need a list of these hundred and however many people, hundred and I think it ended up being like 140 and we'll go manually pull watch for their checks and get them posted. Right. And, yeah. and this is a summary of that conversation, but ultimately the relationship that we had over time, that was positive created a willingness mm-hmm. to help out the other side. And the willingness is what often you get destroyed when you don't build the relationship, right? If you're dealing with a jerk on the phone, how likely are you to really want to help find a solution?
0: You're you not, don't. No.
1: You don't. If, you, if you're dealing with somebody like that, but if somebody is just treating you well and empathetic and uh, has your heart, you know, your best interest at heart and caring for you, you want to give them back something. You want to help. And that's where relationships played a part. And after that call and I hung up, I, I talked to the team, they're like, we get it. We we see the benefits of that, what you have been telling us about. I now understand what you're saying. And um, but but it has to be evidenced because the team, it's not like TMRs didn't want to help them. Right. But right. it's just, it's just they didn't know them as well that um, I had worked with them for many many years, and we've helped out each other through ch- through challenges. So um, it's just well, so but important. Well, this was an
0: exception. You know, every company, every organization has got these kind of standard rote things. It seems to me, looking at it from my safe distance, that it was just a it was just a rote no. It wasn't a hard no. It was just no. You know, we can't. So right. in comes Lisa, who's got the relationship, asking for something exceptional. But like you and I talked after right after this happened and you told me about it. All of the the years of deposit making, I don't mean checks, I mean right. goodwill. I mean in your you're partnering and you're collaborating and you're helping because vendors need help from the people they're serving as well. Right. Not a one way street, you know, they, they do get a business benefit, but then there's all these other human things that there's these real people who are doing these jobs and these jobs can either be made more difficult or they can be made to happen more easily. And those of us that put in the time and the effort to make, to grease the skids just a little bit and make it go a little bit smoother that can come back now. I don't personally think that we ought to approach everything from a scorekeeper's perspective and okay, I'm going to do this for you. If you'll do that for me. Kind that's of exactly thing. what I
1: was going to mention. It that's, cannot that's, be a manipulative mindset.
0: Well, that's transactional and you and I both are very relational and that may, that may be worth a bit of a conversation transaction. Meaning I do this, if I do this, will you do that? I'm not saying transactions don't have their place, but if you're really trying to foster a relationship, that ain't it.
1: No, scorekeeping is not, and that 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 will absolutely not get you to the same place. I can tell you that as a fact. That's right. The end result will be completely different than an genuine fostering of a relationship because, like you said, you're you're scorekeeping. It's like okay, uh-huh, you know, the, the theory is okay randy remember last week i did that you know i did the podcast for you on the one i didn't want to do right and now you're okay so okay you owe me
0: yeah so this week that's I not a that good feeling <laughs> no.
1: yeah no. that's nobody wants that um i want i want somebody that's genuine that i when they ask for help i am all over it to try to help them that's what i want
0: yeah yeah well you know. it seems to me the overarching theme, at least so far in the conversation is just, is our common humanity. That's right. You know, we're a real person. They're a real person. We've got real stuff to do. They've got real stuff to do. We've got real ambitions and goals and dreams and desires and people we love and pets, and they do too. That's right. And you would think that it would be a little bit easier. The problem with all of this and the big problem with leadership in general, in my experience is self-centeredness it's selfishness and while it doesn't look that way with your to-do list introvert but it really is Mm -hmm. i mean that's the practical reality of it i need to be doing this i need to be doing that and we we get too self-focused yes we need to get our work done yes we need to get our work done really really well but at what cost you know do we do it to the tune that we We, we all perhaps have known I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of some people that I have, that have have worked for me and that I have worked around in, in years past who were spectacular at a thing, maybe spectacular at a couple of things, but they were so aggravating to everybody around them that while their performance might be here, the impact that they had on everybody else is they, they drove everybody else's performance down so low. Yeah. They were detrimental. Yeah. So our common, our common humanity can't be lost. One of the things that I think is problematic and it's a challenge for all of us. And that's just self-centeredness, selfishness. So your to-do list expert introvert, it doesn't feel like selfishness to him. I can promise you it doesn't the way you've described him, but that really is what it is. It's, I could be doing this. I could be doing that and not, with no focus on the other person and what benefit they might be able to derive from him, what he might be able to service for them, what influence and impact he might have for them, as well as what might be reciprocated, what he might need even today or at some future event that he, he might could use their help. So there's that.
1: That's right. And it's, it's so, um, It's, it's always interesting as you learn more about um, individuals, there's just, I don't know, it just builds a willingness to help when they're genuine. Like, you know, we talked about, it can't be about scorekeeping. It can't be about this for that. Um, It has to be a genuine willingness and interest in them personally and professionally because if you don't also remember that as leaders how can we serve them if we don't remember what their goals are and remember what's important to them how can you really serve them well you can well, serve become, them but how do, become, you do you do it well they
0: become relatable and so do we that's right so as a leader you become you become relatable that's priceless
1: that's absolutely right
0: i mean it's priceless if if your team can re- can relate to you and they see you as being human. I know, I know, I know. You want them to see you as the superhero who dons the cape <laughs> and has a big ass on your, you know, I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but they don't see you that way anyway. Um, you know, but to, to see us as, as real humans, I remember when the pandemic first kicked in and you and your team, you know, there was some concern as there was for everybody, for all of us, just the disconnect and just, just the check-in right and it was amazing how many people well virtually everybody any anybody and everybody that i dealt with they learned very quickly a few things they they got on these kinds of calls and of course we were all at home i still am uh, but i'm an introvert who's in a cave <laughs> uh, you know a but, dark
1: cave today randy
0: yeah but <laughs> exactly but, but seeing the stuff seeing the stuff and yeah. seeing people in their home We'd never, most of us had never seen that. Right. We'd never seen our team. We had never seen our, our coworkers, you know, we'd never, outside been, of work, really, we'd never been in their home. And all of a <laughs> sudden, here they are. Well, I didn't, I didn't think about that. You know, it was a, it was a leader who brought, who brought that forward to me and said, you know, I'm seeing these people in a whole new light, even though we're not physically in person. And it's because of this. It's because yeah. you're, you're seeing, you're seeing the settings, you know, or, are you I mean, so many funny stories. I had so many interactions and I'm sure you did too, you know, cats walking in front of the screen, dogs yeah. barking.
1: The attorney that had the, the cat face on and the judge is like, <laughs> I believe you have a cat filter on, yeah. <laughs> he goes, I right. assure you, I'm not a cat.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, but all of that stuff was, all of that stuff was great fun and it had, it, it I think it it had a profound impact on people and increasingly it didn't happen right away, at least in my experience, but pretty quickly leaders realized that just getting on a zoom call and just checking in, how's everybody doing? Now you're wired to do that with your team, but not everybody is to just do this kind of a check-in thing you know, whether it's a Monday morning, Hey, how was everybody's weekend? You just kind of go around the horn and, and people talk about, you know, a concert they went to or, or whatever. Don't minimize the power of that. Yeah. As you you're sitting there listening to us and you're thinking about your situation and your team and your leadership and your goals and aspirations and whatever their goals and aspirations may be. Don't, Number one, don't be transactional. I guess we're we're now in the don't okay, be here.
1: only yeah, transactional. We're, we're kinda
0: in the to do part now. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't just look at it as, as a give and take and right. if I give, then I've got to get that much or more in return back. And it doesn't always have to have an agenda. The agenda can simply be to deepen. I mean, to the title of the show, you know, to build and to foster, to deepen the relationships for what you can provide as well as for what you can benefit. I don't think that's self-focused, you know, for us to want to derive some benefit from this relationship, I think we're going on 45 years. I'm, I'm hoping to get something out of this. I have already, (laughs) right? I mean, otherwise why do it? So
1: that's right. And, and I think it's critical. You were a CEO, um, I'm not quite at that level yet, but I think it's more important, and we would agree on that, that as you go up, up the chain, establishing and building relationships gets more and more crucial to be highly effective. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah. if, the, if, you, if, you're a, if you're a non-supervisor, it's critical to maintain a relationship in your team and with your teammates. As you become a supervisor, it becomes more critical to focus on them and understand them. And as you go up in management and then director and then assistant city manager and then city manager, you've got more and more dynamics of these relationships that you have to establish. Um, I know you know, Steve Dyer, city manager is an expert at relationships, especially in the community. And he did so much as police chief in working with the media outlets and getting to know them personally, and getting to know all of the um, minority leaders and the faith-based leaders in the community. And guess what? That reaped, reaped rewards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he, when there was an issue or a crisis, he had established relationships where you, you talked about where you made deposits because in policing, it's a tough environment and those relationships become critical when there is a crisis because that, they now trust you to give them the facts as they stand and they, come to, they came to him. And so I think through his ability to lead and build those relationships was absolutely critical. And, and even more so as he's now you know moved into the city manager's office and now in uh, the city manager chair, those relationships are critical with businesses, with our community leaders, with the directors and the chain of command and the employees. I mean, it's just, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that necessity is absolutely critical to, in my belief, to lead well your team, regardless of size. I just think it's, it's more important that you do it well as you go up the food chain and you were CEO. Did you experience that through your career as well?
0: yeah you know and it's been said i didn't say it somebody smarter and wiser than me said it you know it's not who you know it's who knows you and the only way to make that happen is to build the relationship well two things visibility in the relationship well you can't build you can't build a relationship in a cave and trust me i am a natural introvert who kind of looks like an extrovert but i'm Mm -hmm. really an introvert and it can be real easy to just to just do what your to-do list expert wanted to do. Just, I'll work through lunch, I just wanna get this done, just leave me alone. It can be super easy for some of us to do that, more difficult for other people to do it. So, in my opinion, the higher up you go, the stakes are higher, because the decisions that get made have deeper ramifications. So, Steve Dye, who's the city manager there in Grand Prairie, Steve has the ability to make decisions that will have a much deeper impact than decisions that you're able to make. That's right. It doesn't diminish your ability at all. It just he has it's just got, different. He's got a position and some authority. And so the magnitude of those decisions, well, there's a bunch of things in play here, none of the least of which is why do the relationships matter? Because if Steve is able to surround himself with people who have a perspective and he knows that they'll deal with him straight up they'll tell him what their perspective is. doesn't mean he has to agree with it but being in the position he's in to see it and to hear it helps him with his own clarity it helps him with his own leadership recipe as he's following that recipe and he is because every great leader does and and he's a he's a really rock star kind of a guy in my opinion, um, it just gives him clarity. It gives him clarity. Well, if you don't have those relationships, what way too frequently has happened is that emperor has no clothes and nobody's going to tell him, nobody's going to tell him. There are plenty of leaders who sit down in conference rooms or get on zoom calls and they are surrounded by, oh, it's great. Yeah, boss. Yeah, boss. That's, and there's not a dissenting voice in the room. Nobody. The relationships that everybody has is either based in fear. The leader probably has no clue what any of them aspire to, probably doesn't have much of a clue as to who they are as humans, and they're all beholding. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, you can lead that way. Go for it. Lead that way. Be an autocrat and don't listen to anybody and be the smartest person in every room you enter, and you're going to be in some of the dumbest rooms on the planet. It's just straight up because you're just not that smart. None of us are. I'm not some MIT guy, I'm not some Harvard guy. So that collective that a a city manager like Steve has been able to do, to have these people, and the fact that he had the years as a police chief helped because he was a rock star in that role, and that gave him this front-facing kind of a position much more front-facing than you've got for instance yes correct. just by nature of the position and he took advantage he took proper wise advantage to foster to build those relationships so that he could get that he could get that feedback there's no way that a city is the size of grand prairie that he's in a position to know everything going on That's right. Except through the eyes and the experiences of other people. And, you know, so as you get higher, the perspective changes. The loneliness is a real thing. Mm -hmm. It's just absolutely a real thing. And the way that you can overcome that is to broaden the circle, broaden the relationships, listen for knowledge, try to gain some understanding. Always, 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 always driven, you know, with compassion focus on others and i don't know i mean other other than focusing on others for me that is the bottom line to Mm -hmm. all the relationship building so you have this phone call with the vendor and you're well i'll ask the question i won't answer it okay so what are you thinking you make this phone call to this vendor and and what are what are you thinking as far as not just the immediacy of the relationship but now project this time next year. What are you thinking about that relationship as you're making that phone call and you're making that request? Are you th- or what are you thinking? I'm curious.
1: Well, in the moment, I'm, I'm not so much thinking of long-term, uh, except for the fact we've got the immediate solution now and that it's, it's going to be better because at some point, they may need my help as well. And I want to be able to return, I call it the favor, not an expectation of service. But Mm -hmm. for me, it's really about, I have faith that they can help me and I need them to know I have faith that they can help me. So how can they do it? Because they are the expert and long-term, they know I'm going to give it back. Was it on the forefront? Did it even come up? It didn't even come up. Yeah,
0: but let me reframe it. Okay. So do you have, do you go into that conversation confident, that when they need help, you're going to do whatever you can in your power to help them
1: oh absolutely
0: bingo because they're,
1: because they're making they're making the effort on my behalf, and it makes me want to do it on theirs when they need it uh, that, that, you know the biggest thing I would tell every all our listeners here is again, it's all about to me a genuine heart. If you don't have a genuine heart on building the relationship, it will not work. If you're going into it with motive, if you're going into it with a this for that, or I'm going to keep score, or if I do this, I will get something out of it, which again is a focus on self, it's it's not going to work. It won't play out like you hope it will. Because people are going to see that and they're going to be able to read through those lines. They're going to be able to tell, right? And none of us, I just you can always name somebody that has treated you poorly or not had a good relationship. We all name those. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we can all probably raise up our hand and go, here's, here's people I would not work with again. Yeah. I fired vendors for this. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's not genuine, I don't want to work with you. Cause it's not in our culture. Our culture is a genuine culture. We're working on each other's best interest and behalf um. and, Vendors are an extension of staff. They yes. are serving our customers and they are representing us. So I want them to have that same understanding of what we expect and serve our customers equally well. And anything less is unacceptable.
0: All right. So ask the magical question that we always end with. So people in our audience, leaders are are looking to do better at this. Mm-hmm. And you say, what, what should they be doing? Maybe they're already doing it, but come on, it could always be done better.
1: Well, number one, I'd listen, go to your people, whomever they are, go to your vendors, go to your clients, go to your business partners, whatever that looks like in the role you're in and listen, be interested, be engaged, be genuine, focus on them and not you and make sure you're aligning uh, really your business goals and objectives and theirs and what they're interested in as well. Because then it's the, it's the same thing we talked about last time about trust. They will go into war with you without question. And, um, and that's the main thing for me is just focusing on your people and being genuinely interested in them to our whole series to grow them, right? To get them where they wanna be and keep that focus, uh, and build those relationships because as you mentioned, you'll need that deposit back sometime in the future. So we just got to invest in one another for the best interest of everybody involved.
0: Well, the day that comes that you can do it all by yourself and you don't need any other human, then I guess you can go any way you want to go. But I don't think that time's ever coming. It's never come for me so far.
1: And you're 65 and I'm almost 55 and it it ain't happened for me yet.
0: (laughs) No, I got news for you. The older, the older you get, the the more you realize how dependent you are on other people. And I mean that in the best way possible. I don't mean dependent in terms of, of coercion or imposing, but you just do. You just realize that you can fly so much further and go so much faster with other people. Uh, I, I do some work with a gentleman named Leo Batari. Leo wrote a book called the power of peers. And it's nothing that he came up with, but it's a little exercise that he does. So if he's got a room of, of a couple of hundred people, and it's something that if you've got a big team, you could easily do this. And it illustrates the power, the power of other people, which is really kind of the focal point for today's show. So you can have somebody stand up, one person stand up, and now envision your favorite team, doesn't matter what sport, but your favorite team, and they are seconds away from winning the whole thing, from getting the championship, hoisting the trophy, and now stand up in front of this room of people and cheer like you would cheer if you were in the stands or if you were at home watching this thing. And, of course, it's super uncomfortable. And a single person trying to fill a room like that is – is intimidating, but you can find some brave soul that will do it of course. And then we, you know, then then we all kind of applaud the person's bravery in doing this. Now you can ask the whole room. Okay. Now I want everybody to stand up. So 80, 200 people, whatever. Now everybody think about your favorite team, your own favorite team. And I'm going to count to three. And at three, I want everybody to cheer like you're in the stands. What's well, way easier?
1: Yeah. It's way. Everybody's easier. doing it. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's way, it's way easier and everybody does it and it's great fun and, and it, it sends the powerful signal. Guess what? Everybody's got a favorite team. You know, we're, we're, we're all human we're we all feel these things the person who stood up by themselves we're all sitting here thinking the same thing man i'm glad that's not me
1: yeah
0: right (laughs) i mean it's it's this common all of this common emotion and fear and anxiety and joy and happiness and peace and whatever else we all feel too
1: well, and you know I think the same thing can be said as you as you go up in your leadership journey and you increase in your roles. I would say the reliance on people becomes more and more and more I mean absolutely you do you are not going up the chain, and I'm not saying this selfishly you're not going up the chain so that you can take now on all the work right? Well, the challenge can. is you have to be the master or the the uh he it for the orchestra, ringleader.
0: it's much yeah. more of a you know, you got, yeah, you got to be the conductor of the whole the thing.
1: conductor, yeah, yeah, you have to be the conductor of all the moving parts and rely upon the experts to get you information and wisdom to make really great decisions. So, reliance on people becomes more. And, th- you know, I think back in my career when I was uh, an analyst in Carrollton, and and that analyst, I was in charge of projects and things like that. I was the do, I was the absolute doer, I was the front line. And then, as I became a supervisor, I was still a doer, but then I had to manage the task and make sure all the other projects got done. And then, as you become manager, now it's you're over multiple areas and multiple types of uh, projects and benefits and employment and recruitment. And you know, it's not one area, so it just gets bigger and bigger. And without your people and without your people believing in you to lead them, you can't get as much done as you need to get done. Right, You, can't, you can not mm-hmm. get the best out of people when they know you believe in them. And again, you have their best interest at heart. They become high performers, but you got to recognize that. You well, ha- the that's heart. the very reason we have to build these relationships and, re- and trust our people and reward them and recognize and all the pieces, especially like our leadership recipe we've talked about, having humility, asking the questions, what's impacting them? How do we fix it? Don't tell them. Because it's likely you don't know the best answer. You're not the one doing all the work.
0: Yeah, right. Well, you know? the higher up you go, the more, the more you're able to do for other people, which is a really, a really powerful, positive thing. That's right. If you're a good human. And we're That's assuming right. you're a good human. For instance, so you, you go and you, you admit to your higher ups what your aspirations are. Well, they're able, to do, they're able to do some things for you that you can't do for yourself. They're able that's to right. give you some exposure to some things and make you priv, privy to some things that you couldn't do that without their help. And that's yeah. a powerful thing for you, but I'm going to tell you, it's equally powerful for them. To be able to do that for somebody is a pretty priceless gift.
1: Well, yes. And when I, I know when I'm doing it for my staff, when I know what they want to achieve and I can help them get there, that inherently gives me joy and joy. Yeah. I always say is something, it's not happiness. They're different.
0: That's joy right. is an
1: internal. It yeah. just, it just makes me feel good that I can help somebody else. You know, my staff always knows that I always say, I just want to impact at least one and know I've made somebody's life better when I die. Yep. And, and that's, obviously I hope to impact many. Right. But if I've just, if one person says, man, thank you, Lisa, in my lifetime, I will have served myself. Yeah. Right. And and my purpose in life to help somebody else become better than they were yesterday.
0: Well, you know, I live by the parable of the starfish. Yes. You know, so, I mean, and I've talked about that before, you know, the little boy on the beach throwing starfish in old man, you know, you're not going to make a difference. Look, there's thousands of them throws one in well it made a difference to that one and that's about that's about as powerful a statement as i could make on the relationship you know what's the starfish gonna do for the little boy i don't know he felt pretty good about saving that one that's right you know so i mean sometimes we just do things because it's the right thing to do right and i don't know that would be my parting shot it's not it's not this give take thing, it's give and take because that's just the nature of it. it's mutual respect, it's mutual benefit it's
1: it's honor we, together it's trust. we
0: together we are better than either one of us could be if we tried to do this by ourselves that's right kind of thing all right parting shots
1: i. You got really, one. No, really nothing else. I just, uh, I just encourage everybody to really uh, explore that and make sure you're considering that as you lead. Um, think about your relationships and what is going well and what's not and really focus on that and make sure your team knows the importance of it as well as you train up. But you got to first focus on what you're doing because they're going to follow your lead. And, and I'd focus on, you know, we say not to focus on self, but in this case, I'd focus on definitely what your actions are that are being demonstrated and watched as it, as it relates to others and make sure you're building and fostering those, um, with everybody around you. And then you're teaching your team to do the same, because that's going to be a lesson that that will sustain them for their lifetime and their career
0: well i'm going to go ahead and tease i don't know at what point we're going to do it but i want us to have a conversation that is more a little bit more self-focused and talk about i'm always asked okay so describe what you do and i'm a broken record i tell everybody the same thing i help people primarily leaders i help leaders paint themselves into a corner Oh, you paint people into a corner. No, I help them paint themselves into a corner. I don't paint them in a corner, but I help them paint themselves into a corner, suck all the excuses out of the room, and then hold a mirror up and look in the mirror and accept responsibility for their life, their leadership, the whole shebang. Doesn't mean you're to blame, but at some point in the coming weeks, I want us to have a conversation about that as leaders, because we've talked about trust and we, we've had this kind of outward facing But there is a lot of inward work that's got to be done because it's absolutely true that if this, if it's going to be, if it's all going to begin, it's got to begin with us. So much of this work is absolutely self focused. Doesn't mean that it's selfish. It doesn't mean
1: it's self centered.
0: No, no. It's different. Yeah. It's got to be self focused, though. So in the coming weeks, We'll dive into that. Meanwhile, if you've got suggestions, if you've got things that you would like us to take a deeper dive to, then go to the website, growgreat.com. Use the contact form. I'll give you the last words. I'm done. I'm done, too.
1: Well, I don't have any party boards. Put a fork <laughs> in us. We're That's right. Done.
0: <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time, kids. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.